evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Goal Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're recapping, uh, I would say, a very big win over a tough side, Indy 11. Uh, Red Bulls 2 won that match 2-1. to one. We will get into that, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what the standings look like now, a a sighting of a player we haven't heard from in quite a while. Uh, we're going to talk to Janos Loba, who got his first uh, minutes uh, two weeks ago against Loudoun United. Uh, well, his first start, he got an assist in that match. Uh, and we're going to preview the match tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, against Birmingham Legion FC, the rematch of the match that wasn't. We could see if Tom Barlow is going to get a goal in this one. <laughs> Joining me tonight, I've got two hosts with me. This is so unusual this season. I've got, I'm going to start with Bill Toomey, Bill TNJ. How are you, Bill? Hey, I'm doing good. It was nice to see a uh, nice little comeback there in Rebels Tour over the weekend and get a win. Yeah, they are very much in in the habit of winning these matches this season, even when they're giving up goals. It's nice to see. And joining me for the second week in a row, it's Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. Hey, good to be back on the show for a second week in a row. It's kind of uncommon this year, but a good win on Sunday, and they're now sitting in second place. That's right. They are in second place, only behind St. Louis FC, who has a uh, or sorry, Red Bulls have a game in hand on them. Uh, so some really, really good stuff. They're right now, though, they're tied uh, with Tampa Bay Rowdies in the standings uh, at second place. Uh, but again, Red Bulls have a game in hand there. So sitting in a really nice position. Let's turn our attention to this match against Indy 11. They go down early. A goal comes against the run of play. And they I think they struggle for the most part uh, throughout that first half and even a little bit into the second half of finding ways to break down Indy, who did a great job of keeping numbers behind the ball and uh, keeping things essentially around the perimeter. Most of the shots the Red Bulls took in the first half came from outside of the box, but they persisted. Vincent Bezicourt, who did not have the best game, uh, manages to draw a foul for a PK and get uh, the assist on the game-winning goal. Tom Barlow gets another goal for this team, and uh, they are rocking and rolling. Joe, watching this match, I want to get some of your impressions, especially uh, given how they played uh, against Loudon the week before. Um, My impressions are, Coach Walniak touched on after the game, they really, early on the season, have been a second-half team. It seems like they've gone into halftime, they've known what, adjustments they've had to make or they've really gotten a a good team talk from him at halftime they've responded very well and they've um they've just done a really good job in the second half i mean i I thought uh i like you said they didn't really create a lot in the first half indy did a really good job preventing whatever they tried to do they packed a lot of bodies in the box and then the second half the game seemed to really open up after jared stroud's goal they they you know, I, the ball over the top, which was flicked on by Bezicourt to find Barlow, and this time against Loudon, and he also touched on this after the game. The game against Loudon, he missed a one-on-one opportunity, which we all expected him to score, and then this time he puts it away, and then he really, I think, should have had another, but it was called offside, but it was a pretty close call. Um, so I really thought their response in the second half was a was really big. 
Yeah, and uh, I I was the one who asked him about that uh, opportunity, and what he had said to me was he wasn't as wide open uh, as he was against Loudon, <laughs> so he didn't, you know, th- I guess think himself out of a a better choice. He just made his decision very quickly. Uh, Tom Barlow, seven goals on the year now. He is tied at the top of the uh, Golden Boot leaders. And there are no signs of him slowing down. Seven matches, seven goals. Wow. What a season so far from Tommy B. Uh, Bill, one of the things I noticed in this match was uh, was Kofi probably had his best match as a member of the, of the New York Red Bulls, too. All day long, I thought he was... Uh, smart defensively, he he did a good job of, of tracking back and and keeping um, uh, Indy from really you know making too much headway into their own half. Of course, Indy did play a lot of long balls, but I thought uh, Kofi did a good job of of kind of keeping them away from the center and uh, passing. He really did a great job of taking care of the ball and uh, ushering it around the field. And I think part of why this team. Uh, didn't get stifled by the count uh, by the bunker or hasn't gotten stifled by the bunker the way that the first team has is because of that patience when passing the ball and movement around the box but i just want to get your impressions of the midfield in this match bill yeah i I thought they did pretty well and you know it's a good point too comparing it to the first team because it seems like even like we saw this past week at ripple arena passing the ball sometimes is a bit difficult for them but rebels too they seem to be pretty good in the midfield, which which is awesome so far this season. One thing that I think is is worth watching, if you're going to watch uh, why the Red Bulls have in MLS have not been successful versus why the Red Bulls in USL have, beyond the just the talent, um, you know, factor at, at, uh, for the opposing teams that they're coming up against, when Red Bulls two decide to play the ball long. They look to knock it back to uh, a level back, so usually whoever's playing attacking midfielder. And then multiple guys head forward on that run, and there's more options for, for the team to play around with. So often when you watch the first team and they play that long ball, they knock it down, and you know it's mostly just Bradley up there trying to figure out uh, how he can maintain possession and draw some other folks into the attack and that's where they really struggled so it's good to see at this level that they're getting that done i wish we would see it uh, in mls uh the other things to talk about uh nilas and scarlet against a very talented attack yes they did up get give up one goal to dane kelly but other than that they really faced very little danger uh, on their own goal evan laurel didn't really have to do much and uh you know i gotta say that I know that they they haven't really kept any clean sheets, and I've I've championed this a lot. But the the turnaround defensively from last year to this year is remarkable. Joe, uh, is this going to be uh, a pair that maybe has MLS potential ahead? You know, it's interesting because we I don't think we would have expected this coming into the season because we knew Sean Lenilis was a talented player. We saw it a little bit. We saw what he's capable of in preseason. But I thought this game was one of his better games uh, this season because, like you said, they, they go up against, you know, two incredibly dangerous players and in Voltson and Dane Kelly. And Kelly got the better of Scarlett early on, which I thought he was – Scarlett was a little unlucky um, to give up that goal. But uh, I thought – 
but I think they've done a terrific job to start the year. Um, I think a lot of credit has to go to the communication between the two of them because they're two players that really hadn't played with each other a lot. And then um, going, I mean, going forward in the season, yeah, I think I'm going to say Neilis is. I don't know about Scarlet yet. I think Scarlet needs to prove a little bit more. I think he's a little, still a little error prone at times. Um, but I think Neilis will continue to grow into the position, and I think we could possibly see him in MLS uh, sometime. Not this year, but possibly next year. Yeah, I agree. I think that he's done really well. And at, at the very least, he deserves some you know rotation minutes with the first team. Uh, who else on this team right now do you think uh, is, is earning a, a look with the first team? Obviously, Tom Barlow... Uh, we just talked about those uh, defenders in the back, but who who else do you think should get that call up, Bill? I think Stroud should get the call up. Uh, what he does is he takes a lot of shots, even from the top of the box or even outside the box, and it almost seems like we need more people like that on the first team because every goal that the first team seems to get is always on a cross into the middle, and they could really use a player like Jared Stroud to take shots from outside the box or even inside the box. And... Um, He's been pretty good this season. Okay, Joe. I'm gonna say Stroud, but I think more from a. I think he's starting to grow into the that that uh, ten role, and I think he's. I love. I like the fact that he looks to pick the pass right away. I think the first team is lacking creativity in the final third, and I think he's definitely someone that could offer that. And yeah, I, I have to agree. I think Jared's done a really nice job. There's a couple moments. Uh, where he, you know you still see that he's got a, l- a little bit of growing to do. He missed a um, a rebound sitter in the box this week. He did the same thing against Loudon. He absolutely makes up for it with a great uh, pass to Vincent Bezicourt, which leads to the foul and the PK, and of course finishing the the penalty kick with, with gusto, gusto. <laughs> um, okay, let's get man of the match. First, I'll start with you, Mister Steen. Uh, you touched on this. I'm going to say John Christoph Kofi. I thought it was his best match so far for Red Bull, too. I thought he did a great job in the midfield along with Chris Lima, and I thought it was one, probably the best game those two have had. You mentioned that he spread the ball around very well, and he, I thought he, he marshaled the, uh, the midfield very well in this game, so I'm going to say him. Bill? I'm going to go with uh, Tom Barlow. I really like what I've seen from Tom Barlow so far this season, and the way he scored in this past game where he got a crazy amount of speed and just blazed past everybody else to score that goal was, was pretty pretty slick. So I'm going to give it to Tom Barlow. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times defenders underestimate his acceleration because I, I, they know that he has speed, but they play him very tight, and that allows him to get out. Uh, I like that you went with, uh, with another pick. I thought we were all going to go Kofi. I'm giving mine to Kofi. I think, like I said... Just in terms of the way that he took care of the ball in the night uh, was fantastic. I think his passing was something like 89% in the match. Just beautiful. Great job. Uh, news alert. We have a Hassan Endam sighting. He was taken in the expansion draft by uh, FC Cincinnati in the offseason. And since then, it has been crickets. We heard nothing about him a little bit in preseason. Uh, I believe he even scored a goal and maybe had an assist in preseason. But uh, it has been completely radio silence. No one knew where he was or what he was up to. Today, 
Charlotte Independence put out a uh, a picture of uh, the team, you know, sitting around warming up, and in the background, uh, I believe this was on uh, Twitter or maybe Instagram. In the background, underneath the Independence uh, logo, Hassan Indam looks to be warming up with the team. So it looks like he might be going on loan with Charlotte Independence. Uh, I'll have to give a shout out to uh, to Goose who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago for slipping us this info. Uh, but I think it's fantastic that it looks like Big Haas finally has an opportunity to get some game minutes because it's a travesty that he hasn't been able to get in the lineup for FC Cincinnati. Especially because they yeah, took know, him in the it is too. Draft. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Goose too because he sent me an awesome sticker from their podcast. So we sent him some <laughs> stickers. He sent me a sticker. It's pretty cool to swap stickers. It's the RBNN Raising Bulls sticker sticker exchange. Sticker. Right. Yes. <laughs> I can speak English sometimes. Um, okay. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, you're going to get to listen to uh, our interview with Janusz Luba. So stick around. And we're back. We're joined now by first-year New York Red Bull 2 player and draft pick in the most recent 2019 MLS Cup or <laughs> MLS draft. It's Janusz Luba. Janusz, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Any day. Uh, so you got your first minutes uh, over the last couple of uh, matches. You got your first assist and your first start. Uh, just tell me a little bit of what that experience was like. Um, it was definitely great to to help a team, you know, assist and to, to start. But um, unfortunately, that was also our first loss of the season. So um, I wish like my debut was a little bit more, a little bit better. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't win every single game. But um, yeah, now we have to keep going. And fortunately, we, we, we won the next one. So we also got like some minutes. But um, yeah, I'm happy with that. And you're playing kind of a new position for you, right? Previously, you were further up the field as a, a midfielder, almost a forward. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, they told me in the beginning when they drafted me that um, they see me more as a left back, left wing back, um, which I don't mind at all. I think that's like a good position for me, um, and I can like you know put all the strength that I have, like the pace with like the, the ability to run and everything that I can put that in there, but. Um, like you said, it's a new position, you know, then it's also like a, a new system like that I play in with the Red Bull system. They have their very own way or their very own st- uh, style of play. And then also like, you know, when you come in and practice the first team and even with the second team, you know, it's like a different level. It's like uh, different than college, obviously. But um, all it comes together, it's like, um, it's like a lot. It's like a big change. But, um, yeah, I'm up for the challenge and I enjoy it so far. And I think I'm making positive progress. So um, I'm... I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think's been the most difficult part of making that transition? Is it just kind of getting more into that defensive mindset? Because going forward, obviously, you must be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, being my being an attacker my entire life, um, that's the biggest difference, I would say, you know, to uh, to get, like, the def- defensive habits. But, um, 
you know, every session, every week and every month of uh, playing that position, you know, I feel more comfortable. And um, I think also like the coaches, you know, they see that I um, there is like a progress and um, a positive one, you know. And uh, yeah, like, like I said, every it's like most of the time, like the defensive part, but like I'm, I'm working on it and I feel more comfortable um, day in, day out. And so that's that's good, I think. And let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. Talk to me about when you first started out playing. Uh, how how old were you, and uh, and where were you playing? Oh, when I first started, I was probably I started like the age of six or so. Um, and yeah, I was playing my in the local club. You know, um, just getting used to it. And you know, obviously, um, I'm from a from a soccer family. And my father was a professional soccer player, and my brother played and. Um, yeah, so it was easy to to fall in love with the game, but um, yeah, I started over there, and then you know throughout the years, I um, I developed. I um, I was always an attacking oriented player, but um, you know played multiple positions. You know, it doesn't uh, like sometimes I played um, offensive midfielder, sometimes left mid, right mid, or even like forward. The last four years at Fordham, but um, always an attacking player. But yeah, that's that was like kind of my path from from being a little little guy, and now. Uh, up here. Well, at what point did you realize that this was something that you're going to try to make a career out of? Um, you know, when I four years ago when I decided to go to America to to play college soccer with like the scholarship and everything, um, I realized you know, um, like in Germany it, it was like hard, you know, and um, then I wanted to give it a shot in America, you know, with the with the college system, which is sounded very appealing to me. And then um, being here, and I think you know, throughout the last four years or last four seasons in college, I'd uh, I'd like a good college career, and I lots of fun. I met a lot of good people uh, who helped me develop as a player and as a person. And then you know, once you hear your name, or once they call your name for that you're in the combine and also in the draft, and you know, once your your name is called in the draft, then you know, hey, listen, that's 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 great, and that's what I want to do. And um, yeah, so. I, Basically, obviously, like before the, the call mine, the draft happens, you, you kind of want to go that path. But like once you hear your name called, um, you know, this is what I'm going to do for the next, for, 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 my, for the living for the next years, you know. Yeah. And uh, now it's just like, um, you know, keep, keep working hard, you know, keep keep showing the, the guys uh, in the club, the, the coaching staff from like first team and second team that they can count on you. And then... Um, you know who knows what what's gonna what the future will bring for you, but um, I think you know if you put the work in, then it can only be something positive. I talked to Reese about this last week. Uh, that whole um, process of sitting waiting for your name to be called. Uh, did did you have expectations of where that might happen, or was there any fear that maybe you might go undrafted? Um, I mean, going into the combine and then talking to teams and. Um, it's like always like very tricky, you know. Um, to be honest, I like the best, the best talks with Red Bulls, and they they said they like me. But um, like I said in the combine, they a lot of people talk to to the players, and you never know like how they actually think about you, and like you know who's available, and all these kind of uh, things. But um, yeah, but once um, let's say I didn't know that, or I didn't expect maybe to get draft like. Because in the beginning they only had one pick in the first round, and I didn't know, like, maybe I don't know if that's me or not. But then they traded, and I think like when they had the 16th pick, they traded some picks, and then I was like, I was 
pretty confident that they would pick me. Just didn't know if it was like the first round, getting a second round. But I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm super glad that it happened that way. And yeah, it was it was a great experience. And you had some experience with with Red Bull at the U23 level. Uh, do you, is that the main factor of of Red Bull selecting you? Um, I mean, I played for them last summer in the PDL season, which um, which was I mean, it was good to get used to their system and everything. Um, but I think you know, since they're in New York based, my school, my college was New York based, and so there is like this kind of like closeness that they will more likely watch our games and know me than maybe other players and then they had like the uh, an individual combine where I intended where it's in the, and um, I did I think I showed pretty well in that combine too and um, I think that especially that combine helped me really to to get on their radar again maybe and um, yeah at the end it was like I said we had good talks at the at the at the, at the combine at the MLS combine and um I think I also did a did a solid job over there in, in Orlando and um yeah, at the end um honestly it had to be had to be them. Like <laughs> <laughs> I fully understand that. Uh we've talked to a, a couple of guys about uh th- those local combines before, but I I've never really delved into that. What is that process like when you're just going for a specific team and and you know, is it is it sort of um uh, difficult to kind of gauge what you should be doing on the day, or is it very clear what they're looking uh, for from you? Um, I think, like, I mean, I only attended uh, Red Bulls individual combine, and um, to be honest, they, I, I thought at least they did a really good job and um, doing the like making the practice the way they practice with the first team and the second team, so very intense. It's like maybe sometimes it's a little shorter than other practices but it's very intense and um and you know a lot of running and everything and it's not for everyone not every every player who attended there um thought it was easy i I didn't think it was easy but it was very demanding and um and which i liked and um but yeah you could see they they do a lot of counter press and um, a lot of just what they what their philosophy is and they do that in practice too and um, I, I I really liked it because it's like a specific like they train specifically the way they also want to play, and that was very appealing to me. I think I did pretty well there, and I think like overall that's something that um, that I can do well. I think that's also like a part of why they drafted me at the end and all the other guys because they they showed well um, that those attributes like the the quick like counter press and um, tight space and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I personally didn't prepare like superly. I didn't want to stress out. So I just like tried to be myself, try to, um, you know, be fit. And if you're fit, like, uh, if you're confident, then it all will go your way or most of the time it will. But, um, yeah. So at the end, um, I didn't like really stress out about it. I just tried to, to do my thing. And, um, fortunately it worked out for me. That's excellent. Uh, this coming week, or well, tomorrow, uh, you guys have another match. It's against Birmingham Legion. It's short rest. Uh, what's the discussion been ab- about uh, that match specifically? Because Birmingham's coming off of a really good stretch. They're unbeaten in four. They've they've beaten some pretty good teams with Louisville and uh, St. Louis. So, so you know, what's the talk around that? Um, yeah, it's definitely a pretty good team. But you know, um, 
I think you know we have we are having a really good season so far as well, and um, but we are not underestimating them for sure. Um, we already played them for like fifteen or twenty minutes, yeah. um, but then there was like because of the weather conditions, um, they they cancelled the game. But um, yeah, I mean we want to be us. We want to show that um, what we basically showed every game um, that the Red Bulls, uh, how we play at Red Bulls, and um, yeah, I think if we if we play like us i think it's very hard to beat us you know so we we focus more on us than on the opponent and um of course you know there are like certain things where um that you have to keep in mind and that you have to be aware of but um overall you know we are we, we feel good about it we we do good the, the the coaches always do a great job with like the the scouting the other team and um yeah we, we're confident we also come from a good run like we we lost one game so far and um yeah, it's going to be a good game for sure. Well, I'm very excited to watch that. Before we let you go, uh, are you ready for the lightning round? For the what? For the lightning round. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you a, a bunch of uh, very quick uh, yeah, yes oh, or no. Oh, okay, or, okay, okay. Yeah. I, just didn't, I just didn't know what it was. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) Marvel or DC? Um, The first one. What was it? Fireball? Marvel. Marvel or DC? Oh, Marvel. 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 Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario. Who is your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Um, Dortmund. Bruce Dortmund. And this one uh, is new for this year. I'm calling it the Derek Etienne Award. Who is the worst dancer on the Red Bulls 2 team? Red Bulls 2 team. Oh, who's that? Reese Barkmaster. <laughs> I think he, yeah, all right. I like it. I think he's the first person to get more than one vote. That's perfect. Uh, Janos, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. We wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. And when we come back, we're going to be previewing that match. Or I said the weekend, but it's during the week uh, against Birmingham Legion. So stick around. And we're back with our final segment. We're going to be previewing the match against Birmingham Legion FC. The the Red Bulls, too, should have already played it a match against Birmingham. We, we should have a baseline of what to expect. However, that match was canceled due to inclement weather and Tom Barlow's should be eighth goal of the season was erased from existence. It was almost like Thanos snapped them away. Um, anyway, <laughs> Birmingham is now three, two and one improved record since last time we talked about them. They have a zero goal differential in the last Five matches, they are 3-1-1 one, and one, with wins over, and get this, St. Louis, Louisville, and Loudoun. Those, I mean, Loudoun is not a, a particularly strong team, despite the fact that they got a great result against the Red Bulls, but beating St. Louis and Louisville City, that definitely should raise some eyebrows. Both of those matches were tightly contested. I think they both ended 3-2. to two. But uh, impressive to see. Their lone loss in that five-match run was against Ottawa. It was the second match of the season. Uh, they have not lost in their last four matches, and they drew 0-0 with Swope Park Rangers. Uh, 
Their goal leaders are J.J. Williams and Prosper Kasim. They each have two. Brian White, uh, Matteo Laurent, and Chandler Hoffman all have one. Assists from Eric Avila, Kyle Culbertson, uh, they both have two. Brian Wright and Dago Kobayashi have one. Dago Kobayashi was with New England Revolution uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, in case you don't remember, I'm here to help. Uh, we know what we saw with them. They're a little bit sloppy on crosses and set pieces, uh, but their attack is very much improved since we last talked, and it seems to be clicking. They have talented players. Their lineup, I'm assuming, is going to be Matt Van Okel in goal, Eric Avila, Kyle Fisher, Matteo Laurent, and Kyle Culbertson on the back line, Zach Herivo, Mikey Lopez, Daigo Kobayashi, Daniel Johnson in the midfield, uh, and Prosper Kasim and Chandler Hoffman up top. Mikey Lopez was NYCFC, right? Is it, am I correct there? I believe so. All right, I'm going to check it out while I talk about this. Um, this is not a bad team. I think uh, they're surprising people with the way that they played. And Red Bull 2, probably, I think, going into the match in Birmingham, we were uh, bullish on them, no pun intended. A match at home against this side might be a little bit more difficult. In my very scientific stats rundown, uh, defense and attack are heavily leaning towards the Red Bulls, distribution towards Birmingham. Just uh, the shot disparity with this, these two teams, 100 shots so far for New York Red Bulls, too. 56 for Birmingham. Uh, they have a conversion rate of 12.5%. Uh, most of the, or All of their goals have come from inside the box, uh, be it crosses or, or picking up rebounds. Uh, I get some impressions here. What are you expecting in this match, Justine? Um. It's kind of like a loud match. Uh, when I watch this team uh, against, uh, I watched a little bit of their games against St. Louis and Louisville. They're dangerous on set pieces, which we have seen Red Bulls 2 struggle with this year. I believe at least three or, their four, uh, three or four of their goals against those team came on set pieces. Um, they do a good job of getting uh, good crosses into the box, and they're going to have to be on their toes to... Red Bulls uh, two's defense is going to have to be on their toes to you know watch out for that type of stuff because we've seen this year it's troubled them. The Loudon game, uh, a couple of crosses in the box gave them trouble. The their second goal in particular, um, and I, it seems like they they have a good amount of speed going forward and they're they're pretty dangerous on the counter attack. So that's something that I would look to keep an eye on, especially with I would say most likely a rotated squad tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm assuming we're going to see a similar type of rotation to what we saw at Loudon. Although it gets very interesting up top because uh, Tom Barlow, I think, is the only one who is readily available. We know that Bradley Wright Phillips was injured over the weekend and could not play in that match. Both Brian White and Matthias Jorgensen uh, were with the first team. So that leaves Red Bulls to, I said with only Tom Barlow, but they also have Amarildo and... Um, uh, uh, Sebastian Elney. Sebastian Elney? Is that right? Did I just make up his first name? No, you're right. You're <laughs> okay, right. good. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Oh, there's too much soccer to follow. Uh, and then on the back line, you know, there's a sort of mixture that we could get. Preston Kilween showed well against uh, Hartford. This is obviously a more difficult test. Hartford still has not won a game. Um, we haven't seen Alan Giannis in a little bit. 
Ben Mines uh, is healthy and around, but just has not been selected. So there's there's definitely some interesting things uh, to look at here. Bill, if there is one person that you absolutely want to see in the lineup against Birmingham, who is it? Of course, I'm going to say Tom Barlow, but I'm almost thinking, what do you think if they played Epps up a little bit further? You and, think uh, as like Tom a striker? Yeah, that could they be moved them up as a striker. That could be an interesting uh, proposition. I would like that a lot more if it was Barlow and Epps up top playing that two-man front line. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, other things to talk about in this match. Uh, Tom Barlow, We I touched on it before. He had a goal against them. It was erased. I was joking with him about looking for revenge, but certainly he's going to want to be uh, getting in there and, and uh, causing some trouble. When we've looked at this team before, one of the things that uh, I identified as a weakness was their ability to defend against pass- or crosses that are on the ground, low crosses, a Red Bull specialty. And I can't see any reason why to th- they wouldn't be able to capitalize in similar ways. But having having sort of uh, to balance the, the matches this week and knowing um, how difficult it was for the midfield to gain control in the Loudon match. Uh, Joe Steen, are you a little bit worried about how they're going to approach this and what the personnel is going to be like? I am because it's, again, it's another short week. Uh, I don't think they play until next Wednesday though. So um, I could see maybe uh, John Molniak, you know, if, if he doesn't feel the game's going the right way, he could potentially switch things up at halftime or early in the second half uh, because they have such a, a decent amount of time off. They don't have to play Saturday or Sunday again. But I am a little concerned because the last time they, you know, they they did a good job rotating against um, against Hartford, but it took them a little while, and they finally got going in the second half. But then they came home against Loudon in the game we were almost sure they were going to win, and then they completely collapsed in that game. So I'm a little nervous about what the personnel is going to look like. You know, if it's going to be, you know, a mixture of academy guys and Red Bull 2 guys and then first team guys because, you know, the, as we've seen, the chemistry is not there because the, you, they don't know their tendencies and, you know, that type of stuff happens, of course. Yeah, that, that's very fair. If you're looking at the depth chart of this team right now uh, and specifically on the back line, they really only have three center backs. Who, who are the two that you would go with in this match? Is it Scarlett? And Kilween is it Nealis and Kilween? Uh, and then on the outside, do you think they're going to start Rito and Giannis? I would probably go with Rito and Giannis on the outside, and then I would go with Kilween and uh, Kilween and Nealis in the middle. Okay, interesting. Uh, the, uh, our guest tonight, Janusz Luba, is also a, uh, a person to consider for the left back spot. I didn't mean to leave him out, Janusz. I hope uh, you, you take no offense. Um, well, I, I forgot about. I actually forgot about Giannis, who actually did. He actually was one of the more impressive players in the Loudon game. With uh, he assisted on the first goal, got he got down uh, the left hand side uh, pretty well. I mean, he got targeted a lot in that game, but I he offers a lot going forward, which I think they could also use him to exploit um, Birmingham in this game. Because again, like you said, they're not very they're not good at defending the low crosses. Yeah, agree. Uh, so let's get um, a prediction. I'll start with you, Bill. Give me a prediction for this match. 
my prediction is going to be nothing too crazy, but uh, two one win for New York Red Bulls two. Okay, Joe. I'm going to go two one Red Bulls two as well. Ah, uh, now I can't possibly. That was going to be my score line. Um, I'm going to say this is a three two win for Red Bulls two. Uh, just to one up you guys, it's still a one goal win, but <laughs> <laughs> you gotta okay. be different. Yeah, exactly. Gotta be different. Um, all right, let's take a look at the standings right now. Uh, in USL from top to bottom, uh, in the East, number one, St. Louis FC. We mentioned them before 17 points at two, New York Red Bulls, two, 16, Tampa Bay t- sort of tied with two, also 16, North Carolina FC, 14 points. Charleston, 14 points. Louisville, 13 points. Indy, 11, 12. Nashville, 11. So uh, just very quickly, coming into the season, those are the two teams I identified as as teams that were really going to dominate this year. And so far, they're not quite not quite doing it. Indy, 11 is probably a little bit further along than Nashville, but we'll have to see that, how that goes. Ninth, Ottawa Fury. It's nice to see them above the playoff line. And 10th, Birmingham Legion, the the opponent this week. Underneath them, Bethlehem Steel, Atlanta United, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Loudoun United, Memphis, Charlotte, Swope Park, and Hartford. Hartford really should change from the Hartford Athletic to the Hartford Goose Egg. They are 0-8-0 with a negative 18 goal differential. That is a very, very rough way to start a season. Ouch. To, to be fair, to be f- in their defense, they have yet to play a home game. That's true. So. <laughs> Still, that is, I mean, not even getting a draw in any of these is, is kind of rough. And they have, I think, the ability to, to get a result if the games were shorter, but they, they tend to fade towards the end of matches. Anything surprising you there? Anything that uh, you think is worth uh, discussing? Nashville struggling, I think, is worth discussing because I definitely thought they were going to be one of the best teams in all of USL this year, and they really haven't gotten off to a a good start. They've been they've struggled, um, and I thought you know getting Lancaster and Rios and Belmar was going to help them with their offense, but it doesn't seem like it has. Well, yeah, that's one of those things is they have to figure out how to balance their lineup, and I think what's been difficult for them is figuring out how to play Daniel Rios and Cameron Lancaster at the same time. Uh, because they haven't really altered the way that they're playing. They still try to stay compact and just kind of look for chances on the counter. And I don't think that necessarily suits all three of those guys. So that's really interesting. And Indy 11, I, you know, I'm not trying to say that they're not doing well. They have only lost two matches. But um, I think, again, when you look at a team that goes out and gets... Uh, Thomas Anna Voltson and Dane Kelly to lead the attack. You think that they should be a little bit higher up in the standings. The only two places they've stumbled, mind you, are against the top two teams in the league or in the East. So maybe just a grain of salt then there. I should actually say the top two teams. Swope Park Rangers, right? Yeah. Swope Park Rangers coming from the West. They are also winless and yeah, they are having a really tough time adjusting to being in the East. Um, I, would, I would, I would also Louisville City kind of struggling early on, but they kind of—I'm not too worried because they kind of didn't come out of the gates quick last year, and then they really started to shine towards the end of the year. Yep, and they got a draw against Tampa Bay, which I thought was good, and two sort of clinical wins against Ottawa and Memphis. So they're they're still in a good spot in the West. 
Portland Timbers 2 leading the pack with 15 points. Then Tulsa Roughnecks 14, New Mexico United 14, uh, Reno 1868 12, Sac Republic 11, Real Monarchs 11, Austin Bold 11, OKC 11, LA Galaxy 11, and Phoenix Rising 11. It is a very, very tight field from uh, first place to uh, 12th place. They're separated by five points. That's pretty nuts. Uh, Down below the line, San Antonio FC, the only other undefeated team in USL, Fresno FC, is sitting in 12th place. (laughs) Okay, sure. Orange County, right? (laughs) Orange County SC in 13th, Rio Grande Valley, 14, El Paso Locomotive, 15, Las Vegas Lights, aww. Uh, 16, Colorado Spring Switchbacks, 17, and Tacoma Defiance, 18. That was Seattle Sounders last season. They have now rebranded to Tacoma Defiance. <laughs> Biggest surprise in the West? How fun New Mexico is to watch. New Mexico United is to watch. They've got some good players, including a uh, former rival player, Santi Moar, uh, who yeah. is doing very well out West. They are they are very I, they are very excited. They, all their games are they are just high scoring affairs. There is no in between with that team. Yeah, and OKC Energy and Tulsa both above the playoff line. That is good to see. Uh, the sad thing to see uh, of those two teams this past weekend, OKC and Tulsa met up. Atiba Harris uh, tweets after the match he was racially ab- abused. Um, by a player on the, on OKC, and oh wait, do I have that backwards? Is he on OKC? He's on OKC. Sorry, <laughs> he was racially abused by uh, a player on Tulsa Roughnecks. That player, uh, well, let's see, do I have his name somewhere here? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Uh, yes, that player was Fabian Bestidas. He posted on Instagram. This was his response for using the N-word as a racial slur towards Atiba Harris during that match. For those of you who may not have read a statement released by the USL and Roughnecks today regarding my termination. So uh, I should I guess I should have led with this. Tulsa immediately terminated his contract. So honestly, big round of applause yes, to Tulsa yes, because yeah. so many that's, times that's we've right seen thing to do. we've seen teams protect players in, in these sort of situations before so good on you Tulsa uh, I figured I owed it to myself and the ones I care about to explain why last night we played a game against our rival team Oklahoma City Energy I use terminology that I've used my entire life growing up in Brooklyn a pronoun that I say to my friends teammates and the people I care about Ma N-word And again, I'm not going to say that. Uh, In South America, New York, Portugal, and everywhere else I've lived, we say it with love. Nothing malicious or racist was or will ever be intended by it. Uh, Just let me get your reactions first to that. So he says, uh, yes, I used the word, but I I didn't mean it in a uh, derogatory way. What are your thoughts? Um. I think they did the right decision terminating them. I mean, even if you don't use it that way, it's still not appropriate at all, ever. 
I mean, yeah, you know, you're, you're not you're not hanging out with your friends. You're playing a rival team. And exactly. It, it's it's it, that's just not called for. It's not called for ever in the game. So no matter no matter what the tone is, it's just not called for. It's it's ridiculous. Well, and you know, not for nothing. I th- I look at that explanation as almost like, well, I have, and then fill in the blank of the minority yeah, that you yeah, are yeah. Uh, abusing in some way. Uh, I have friends that are that, and then it's okay with us. So I thought there's no way that you really think that that is a good explanation. I think I think now is the time That's for self reflection and not yeah. uh, excuses. And you know, not for nothing, Atiba Harris doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would um, accuse a player of using terminology that wasn't being directed at him as a weapon. He weaponized a racial slur, and he's paying the price for it. And I, again, I applaud Tulsa for you know doing what they did, which was terminating his contract. And uh, yeah, we'll move on from that. <laughs> Bad times and good times, all within the field of soccer. That brings us. To the end of another episode of Raising Bulls. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. TNJ. I am at Jstein15. And if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull. That's one bull cast. Raising Bull cast. And that's all on Twitter. If you'd like to follow us at Red Bull News Network, all of us uh, contribute work there, including Bill and his amazing photography. It is rbnn.us or rbnewsnetwork on Twitter. You can find our show on facebook.com slash raisingbulls. You can go to raisingbulls.com. You can even send us questions to that domain. Questions at raisingbulls.com. That's questions at raisingbulls.com. Our show's on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Find us, rate us, review us. It does help. And of course, I say this every week. If we are not on your podcast, uh, 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 can, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Podcast aggregator uh, of your choice. Let us know, and we'll figure out a, a way to get up there. We're brought to you by the Be- Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM. They cover MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They've got a host of great shows like the other football podcast. 901 Soccer Pod, Speedway Soccer, The Curse Cast, Six Point Weekend, Off Pitch Podcast, Orange and Black Soccer Cast, Rising is One, Mongols, Play the Kids, 1868 Weekly, Down in the Valley, and so much more. Ton of great podcasts for all of the leagues I mentioned above. And written work. They've got a lot of great written work. Uh, that you should definitely check out if you get the time. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Goal Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Last but not least, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, Bill Toomey, Joe Steen, and Janos Loba, thank you and have a great night.